All right. Good morning. Uh, man, these last couple of days have been beautiful. Like it was such a nice change from all the heat and humidity and uh, all the stuff that I so thankfully missed while I was away for a couple of weeks. And uh, it was tough, really, being on the golf and looking back and sitting on the beach with, you know, 75, 80 degree weather and seeing that New York was in like a 100 degree heat wave. My heart was with you, I promise. Um, so uh, it's, it is awesome to be back, uh, having a chance to get away and travel uh, with my family and uh, just a great opportunity to uh, just kind of pause and unwind a little bit and kind of refresh and to come back. And uh, it's been quite a while since I've actually spoke spoke. Um, we had some folks that covered Ignite, and then we did a worship weekend, la- or worship night Wednesday night. So uh, I'm excited. Hopefully, I don't go too long. I got the clock in the back to kind of keep me straight. Uh, but today we're going to talk about Acts chapter 20, verse 24, primarily, and some of the surrounding verses. And the title this morning is called "Nothing Is Over." Uh, I didn't put an asterisk on it, but I did borrow this from a well-known theologian. Um, in fact, most of you might recognize this man on the next slide. Uh, John Rambo. <laughs> in the movie, he has a discussion with his colonel in the first blood movie. And he says, nothing is over. Nothing. You just don't turn it off. And he's talking about having this, this mindset, this battle mindset and stuck in fighting mode. And, and uh, so I, I kind of took that this morning as I was reading through Acts and, and we're talking about these encounters. And what does this look like for us as a church? And let me just give you a little bit of a background on Acts 20, 24. This is one of my favorite verses. It's actually the verse that I would say is probably my ministry verse, life verse, uh, whatever, whatever phrasing they use, most of us probably have a special verse. You can put it back up. That's fine. A special verse that just kind of speaks to us or has been an influence on what we do. And this is mine. Acts chapter 20, verse 24 says, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry, which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of God. It's God's grace. So here's what's kind of cool about this verse. When I was a kid, um, the first time I read this verse, I was probably like eight or nine years old. Uh, we had, um, uh, growing up where I grew up, it was like every quarter we had revival meetings. And in the summer, we'd have these big tents with hay bales. And they would go from Monday to Sunday and three or four speakers and songs and all kinds of things. And, and there was one pastor who has been a, a longtime family friend. He would always be the guy that would come and do the recap. And it'd be like 10 o'clock, 1030 at night. And he would always scream, wake up, Eutychus! Like that was his thing. And he'd jump and he'd, he'd yell and, and it was, he was fun to watch. He's, he's a, a, he's about this tall little guy from New England, full of energy. One of, again, one of my dearest family friends. But I said to him, what does that even mean? I'm like eight years old. I have no idea. What does this even mean? He goes, oh, it's in the book of Acts. Look it up sometime. Okay, fine, sure. So I did. Now I'm a kid and he's, he's saying it and I'm trying to, you know, pay attention by reading my Bible while he's preaching. I couldn't tell you what he was preaching on. But I found it in this chapter. And this is Paul's kind of farewell address as he's making his way back to Jerusalem. And uh, the story's great. 
The story is not what my message is about, but I'm just telling you how I came to really appreciate this verse. So the story is is Paul is is in Macedonia, and they have this late-night Bible study, and there's this young man who's trying his best to stay awake, and he just falls asleep. The problem is he's like way up in the nosebleeds, and he comes tumbling down to the ground. And I was like, he's dead. He's dead. And Paul comes over and he picks him up and he embraces him and he says, well, he's mostly dead. He's not totally dead. He's going to be, he's mostly dead. That was for you. Had to throw that in there, yeah. But he's dead. And Paul is somehow, through this miracle, he's, he's restored to life. And by the end of the meeting and by the end of the night, he's eating. And I mean, think about how awesome that would be. What, what kind of a send off? Maybe we can do something like that. We'll put someone up in the bleachers and no. But this is Paul's farewell journey. So I, the reason why I like this verse is fast forward a number of years. I was in Alabama. I was working with a youth group. We would do these camps. And if you've ever done teen camps or been to teen camps, say from the moment you get there to the moment you leave, it's like 150 miles an hour. It just doesn't stop. You know, you're up late, you wake up early, you're doing events, you're learning, you're worshiping. And and there was a reference to this story by one of the speakers, and it kind of clicked in my mind. I went, I'm going to go back and read it just for fun. So after, after we had finished that night with the session, I went back to my bunk, and I'm sitting, and I'm reading through it, and this verse just kind of popped out to me. And I'll read it for you again. Acts chapter 20 says, But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of God's grace. In the verses leading up to this, Paul is traveling back, like I said, to Jerusalem, and he's on the ship, and they're sailing around the coast, and they're stopping here, and they're stopping here, and if you go down uh, the language, it's the, you know, he's stopping at this church, and then he's shooting over to this church, and he's coming down to this church, and he gets to Miletus, and he sends word to the elders of uh, the church in Ephesus, and he says, hey, come see me, I want to talk to you a little bit. So they come out and they meet him. He's trying to get back to Jerusalem. Uh, Luke tells us that he's trying to get back before Passover. He wants to be in Jerusalem for Passover. So they're taking this coastal route along the, the water there. So now the elders are meeting and, and think of it, all the things that have kind of led to this. Going through, uh, if you read through the book of Acts, chapter 16 talks about his uh, experience in, in, in Philippi and being arrested and jailed and beaten in the jailer. And then uh, I think Corinth is next and then uh, maybe Thessalonica is next. But he's going through and all these churches that he's planting and all these people that he's ministered to and all of this time that he spent. And now he's stopping to kind of pause And reflect on what comes next. I think about maybe what that meant for the elders. What that meant for Paul. To share in all these ministry experiences. And to think about his mindset where he's saying, none of this is is as important to me as testifying to God's gospel. Of of spreading the gospel. Of preaching the gospel. Of doing this kingdom work. And it, it, it jumped in my mind that he's talking about ministry here. And so this morning, I want to talk about ministry. I want to talk about our ministry here, our ministry in our personal lives, kind of what that means for us, what it looks like for us. And sometimes, you know, we've heard it said it's, it's a life is a marathon. 
It's not a quick 40-yard dash. We don't want to try to sprint to the end of it. we got to pace ourselves out. We want to finish well. And this is, again, one of those verses that a lot of pastors use when they're saying, farewell, everybody, I'm leaving and driving off into the sunset. And I'm not leaving, I'm not driving off into the sunset. This is a reminder for us because I think harmony for us as a church and as individuals, we're kind of on the cusp of, of something new. We know that we have a transition coming. We know that we've been praying into what does ministry look like for us for the next year, the next five years, the next ten years. What does it look like here in this physical location? What does it look like if we are are targeting towards Middletown? What new ministries can we start? How can we meet people's needs? What needs are we looking to be met? And we have time set apart for prayer today. And I think on the 8th, we're still getting together to pray and just say, God, where are we going as a ministry? What's new? So I think in some respects, this is kind of where we're at. We're, we're starting a new chapter of what Harmony Ministries is going to look like. So I think it's important that, yeah, it's great that we can look back and reflect and say, man, these last eight years, these last ten years, for some of you, you've been here for very much longer than that. Ben, how long have you been here? Yeah. He was seven. Fifty years. Fifty years. And I'm sure if you talk to anybody who's been here that long or longer, there's these chapters where they go, we did this and then this happened and we went this direction and, and then we went this direction and then we had this setback and then we had these difficulties, but then we jumped way ahead to here. So it, it's, it's kind of like this plotted chart of where are we going? Where have we been? Where are we now? And to me, that's exciting. I'm excited about it. I think it's a cool idea looking at what is a new beginning for Harmony look like? But again, it's not a sprint. I was thinking about what does that mean for me? How would I compare that? What is life is not a sprint? How many of you have started something and you meant well, but you never finished? I'll give you an example. Um, I joined the gym like six times. Did you know you could join the gym six times? You can. And they will let you. And then they will let you cancel because you don't go. Um, We tried meatless Mondays which means Monday was going to be dedicated to eating fruits, vegetables, no meat. That lasted for a little while. Three weeks, four weeks, maybe a month. Yeah, something like that. So we, we, we have these intentions of, of, of finishing strong, but we don't. And as we were praying this morning as a group for our, our worship service, and, and the thing that kept coming back as I was preparing for this is, is ministry a task? Or is it a mindset? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And, and you saw the one slide. It kind of snuck up a little ahead of time. And that's okay. But here's, here's what I want to say. Nothing is over. It, like John Rambo said, you just can't turn it off. And for ministry, I have the same mindset. In, in, in this verse, Paul says, I do not consider my life or any account as dear to myself. I grew up reading the King James and memorizing scripture from the King James. And most of the verses that I have memorized are King James. And that's probably the same for most of us in here, right? And this is what I love. I think this is what really kind of jumped out to me about this verse is how it starts in the King James. Paul says, none of these things move me. 
In the verses leading up to this, he's talking about how he's bound in the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. And he knows that there's afflictions coming. And all through this travels, he's going back through, stopping at each church along the way. And he's hopefully seeing the fruit. And maybe he's cracking skulls. And he's doing whatever housekeeping he needs to do on his way back to Jerusalem. And he stops and he says, listen... None of these things move me. I'm not persuaded by them. I'm not pushed by them. I know that there's affliction coming. I know that we had some really awesome opportunities to minister. Think about this. This is his farewell trip. He just brought someone who fell out of a balcony back to life. He's on the Aegean Sea. Did I say that correctly? Where's the no? Aegean, Aegean? Aegean. I don't know. It's not true. I do my best. Think about it. I've seen pictures, man. It's beautiful. He had everything he needed to retire and go, you know what? I'm just going to go up and down the coast and heal people. He was a superhero at this point. He had nothing left to do except maybe retire. And Paul says, I'm not retiring. Retirement is not a word for me. He says, nothing is over. Nothing is over because you have a ministry. I think that's what Paul is talking about here. There's no such thing as ministry being over. There's no such thing in the Bible as as seeing someone who's been given gifts from God that doesn't have a ministry attached to it. And I think we've fallen into the wrong way of thinking. We either feel like we have to be super committed all the way in, sell everything, get rid of everything, i got to be a pastor, or we're on the other end of the spectrum where we just go, I, it's a thing I do, you know? Like, I don't want to offend anybody by telling them about Jesus. We did our discipleship class, and one of the uh, resources that I handed out talked about the words that the millennials and new generations find offensive. Some of those words were things like evangelism. Is that what we're called to do? How, how, so we go, well, I don't really, I don't want to offend anybody, so I'm not going to tell them about Jesus. I don't want to offend anybody, so we just, we'll keep it here, confined within these walls, and then we don't have to worry about it. We could just, we could just do our club. But I don't think that is at all what Paul is trying to push here. Here's a couple of verses. Just to to give us a mindset, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Here's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, But to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit, for the common good. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 16, it says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. It causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Peter even gets in on this whole idea of everyone having a gift, everyone having a purpose, everybody having a role in ministry. In 1 Peter chapter 4.10, he says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. We have gifts. We have a ministry. We have a church ministry. It's our local church ministry here. 
where we have our food pantry. We have children's ministries going on right now. We have a student ministry that we have. We have other ministries, Harmony Helpers. We have our school. Uh, and if I try to name them all, I'm going to forget some. But we have ministries here. But is everybody kind of plugged into using their giftings for these ministries? We have ministries in our community. We have needs that need to be met. Uh, an email went out this week about someone who's in need of a stroller for, for them to use so they can take care of their child. That is a ministry opportunity that we have into our community. Our food pantry reaches out into the community. Our goal is to disciple, to train people, to spread the gospel. Our ministries are to our families. Ministry doesn't just stop in here. It also continues when I get in the car, when I get home, when I go to work. I don't know if, 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 if Pastor John experiences this or if, if Dr. Ashley does or if Ben, who's preaching in a couple weeks, experiences this or even Mike a couple weeks back. It's like every morning, every, anytime I have an opportunity to speak, whether it's Sunday morning here, I'm teaching with the teenagers or whatever it is, you get like close to like go time and you get pretty amped up. But then there's something in your head that goes, you know, you're not fit to even undo Jesus's sandal. You know, remember when you did this and you start, things start popping into your mind that maybe happened 30 years ago when I was a kid, I'm like, I never got that right. Oh my gosh, what am I doing up here? I have no business standing up here. And realistically, that's the truth of it. But there is this element of grace that Paul has talked about. And there's these giftings. And there's this ability to be able to stand and say, you know what? I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to focus on what God has called me to do. I'm going to focus on what God has equipped me to do. Because those are two things that are really important when we're trying to figure out what's next for harmony as a ministry. It's really important to figure out when we say what's next for you as a member of harmony. What am I called to do and what am I equipped to do? Because sometimes those are not the same things. I have met with people who go, I love working with kids. And you see them work with kids and they're like, yeah, sit down. I'm like, uh, maybe... Maybe that's not your calling. Maybe that's not what you're equipped to do. But there are other things. I would love, honestly, I would love to be able to fix anything that broke down in this building. I'm not equipped at all. There's a comedian that says, when my car breaks down, I immediately look at the gas tank. If it's E, I, I got to get gas. That's about it. That's all I know. So it's understanding we have giftings. We have been called into this ministry together. Not just the Harmony Ministries ministry, but this ministry of the kingdom. When I was on vacation, I met this wonderful woman. We went to Hilton Head and we stayed in a resort and it was pretty cool. They had a little kiddie pool that my kids, it was hard to get them out of. I know you're like, this is, uh, I was suffering. I promise you, I was. It was humid, all right? Like, but they had these events at the clubhouse for the kids, and they were awesome. And the one event we did, it was a escape room. You had papers and things that you had to fill out, and I did it with the kids, and Joey's running around like a savage, 
jumping on the furniture, and I'm trying to keep her under control. And this woman came through, and she said, oh, you have such a beautiful family. I was like, oh, you know, thank you. I appreciate that. And she's like, even the little one, she's just such a treasure. And I'm like, oh, yeah, she is. She's great. So then, like, two days later, uh, they did um, tie-dye shirts. And you could go and make a tie-dye shirt. And again, so I had the two bigger girls, and Taryn and Avery made their shirts. And they went outside to put the dye on them, and Joey wanted one. So I grabbed Joey. I said, come on, sweetie, let's go get it. So we went to get one for her. And this woman came back in with her grandkids, and we were sitting there. And I had a T-shirt that says, not today, Satan. Or it was either that or, or the church has left the building. It was something, something with a religious theme to it. And she said, oh, I really like your shirt. And I was like, thanks. And that kind of opened the door to the next conversation. Where are you from? What do you do? Well, I'm, you know, I'm from New York. We're on vacation. I'm in ministry. I'm a pastor. And she's like, that's awesome. And so I asked her, and she said, this is, this is what really cracked me up. She said, oh, I'm a card-carrying member of the kingdom. And she was. She had a card. It was uh, uh, Bishop uh, Tasha Jones. So sweet. So, but yes, that was her. I'm a card-carrying member of the kingdom. And I thought, man, that is awesome. Bing, bing, bing. card carrying member of the kingdom. I've been with people. Uh, my dad, when he was a little older, was able to get the, the senior discount. As soon as he was able to get that, he said, like, senior discount, senior discount. He had the card. He's a card-carrying member. It became his mindset. And I thought about that. A card-carrying member of the kingdom. Man, what would that look like if everybody in here and those who are tuning in online and just kind of hanging out with us today, what if we were really having that mindset of being a card-carrying member of the kingdom? Not a card-carrying member of the cultural agenda, not a card-carrying member of what the school wants or society or politics. Listen, I know that's important stuff. I get it. But I also understand Paul said, none of these things move me. I'm not persuaded by these things. He said, I don't care who's in charge of the government. I have a job to do. If I go to jail, I go to jail. I don't have a problem with standing up against the, the immorality of the, the church at Corinth and to say, hey, you guys are missing the point here. He said, I have a job to do. There's a messy part of what ministry looks like sometimes. And standing in that gap to say, I'm going to take a stand and I am going to let this be a part of my mindset. Ministry is not a task. It is something we do. But I have a, a, a real interesting closing on this because it, I read some cool stories this past two weeks. And I'm sharing with you because I thought they were awesome. We're not there yet. Some folks are like, really? Yeah, we're only like 10 minutes in. We're good. Ministry is not a task. It's not just a, a sphere of service. It is a mentality. It's a way of thinking. It's something that's supposed to permeate our lives. It means being available to God 24-7. After I met this woman, when she said, oh, I'm going to be praying for you, there was no doubt in my mind that she was going to be praying for me and my family. And you could see like her spirit, it just it carried with the person that she interacted with and no matter who she talked to. And it was just there was a reality to her being a card carrying member of the kingdom. And I'm going to tell you, when I got back to my room and I was trying to get the kids ready to go and I was starting to get frustrated and the old me is starting to go. Ugh. 
You know, all those things that make me go, maybe I'm not cut out for children's ministry. I had to stop and think, man, I got to pause here. What is it that, doctor, it's a symptom of a bigger problem? Is that what we were talking about in, in staff? It's, it's a symptom of a bigger problem. What is that problem? I don't know. Whatever it is, it means ministry means shifting the focus off of me, shifting the focus off of ourself, and putting it to others. Being available for God to work through your life. We won't fulfill any of our purposes if we're not even aware that we're in ministry. You have a, like I said, you have a ministry to your family. You have a ministry to your job. We have to keep this in mind. Nothing is over because not only do we have a ministry, we are not just volunteers. We're servants. And we think, well, that's, I volunteer. That's what I am. And we say all the time, we need volunteers. Who wants to volunteer for this? Who we need volunteers to help in nursery? We need volunteers to help with cleanup day. We need volunteers to help do this or that, do this, that. See, the problem with that mindset and mentality is if we're looking for volunteers, you can say yes or you can say no. And this isn't the point of we're not trying to guilt anybody into saying, oh, I should volunteer next time. It's to kind of just stop and pause and go, am I a volunteer or am I a servant? Because if that changes our mindset from I'm no longer a volunteer, now I'm a servant, then I I have to say who's in charge? Who's my master? And Paul uses this word bondservant quite a bit. He introduces himself, Paul, a bondservant of Christ. Paul, a bondservant. Paul, a chosen apostle of Christ. Paul, Timothy, this guy, bondservants. We're bondservants, bondservants, bondservants. Now... If you want to look at it as he's choosing to, you know, it was Exodus 21, around there somewhere, it talks about slaves. And some slaves love their masters so much that they would go before the court and say, we're going to pledge our life to serve them, and they'd pierce their ear, and they put something in it, and that would be their title, their calling for the rest of their life. I know some people go, well, that's, that's what Paul is saying here. And maybe he is. But he's not talking to a a, a Jewish crowd. He's talking to Gentiles who are probably not familiar with that. So in the the basic sense of the term, Paul, when he says, I'm a bondservant, he says in verse 22, I'm bound in spirit. I'm going to Jerusalem. I am in service to God. I am a slave. I'm bound by the spirit. I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. He understands, hey, God's calling me. i got to do something. In the basic, most simplest sense, Paul is saying, I'm a slave to Jesus. I'm a slave to... And they would have understood that. I'm bound for life to serve God. He's using the word that they would have understood as simple. I'm a slave. I am owned by God. I have a job. I have been given this work. I'm walking closely in fellowship. The Holy Spirit is working in my life. The Holy Spirit is is not only equipping, but He's also empowering. And He's given me the, the, the strength and the courage. And I don't have to fear what comes next because I'm going to trust and I'm going to do. And I think that's also important for us. That when we talk about are we volunteering, are we serving, what's our mindset? Our mindset is we have to trust and do. Is it 
yes is the answer. What's the question? How do you say it? Right? That's pretty close. Yes, Lord, what's the question? What's next? What do we do? How would that look if if that shifted our focus in our families? I'm a servant to my family. I want to be a servant to my wife. I'll be honest, I'm not really good at that. I know, I'm not. I have a hard time with that. I, I, was, I didn't really get a lot of empathy growing up. It's, something, it's not something I learned. It's not a lot that I've experienced. I'm not always a servant to my children. I'm not always a servant to the people around me. And it's like, this isn't meant to be a confession thing. It's just meant to say, hey, it's a mindset. A servant mindset. Whose needs am I putting first? What am I trying to do? What's more important, me or somebody else or something else? What's my commitment to that? We talked in our 101 class about the Great Commission, the last one we did, the going out and evangelizing and teaching and baptizing, making disciples and what that looks like and, and why that word commission is so important. Because it's a, it's a command. It's not a polite request. And I think about like the, the military aspect of what a commission looks like. We have some folks in here that have served in military or that have worked in corrections or law enforcement. And, and you learn pretty quickly about some things. My brother is an airman. He's in, uh, I think, North Carolina now. And I remember the stories he would tell me about basic training or being at this base or being out in Washington or being across the ocean in the Middle East or in Germany. He didn't have a choice. When they said, hey, Chris, you have to go here. Okay, I have to go there. When they put a tray in front of him and said, here's what's for breakfast. Here's what's for lunch. Here's what's for dinner. He didn't have an opportunity to go, you know, I'd prefer the steak today. If you don't mind, that would be great. He said, no, you will do what we tell you to do. You'll do uh, something that maybe you're not comfortable with. You're going to do something you don't like to do. You're going to be put in situations where you're away from your family. And the only thing he could say to that was, okay, I have to do it. Now, thankfully, he is someone who is a Christian and has uh, grown in his walk. And I could see in hearing him talk to him, he calls from Germany, hey man, how's it going? Listen, this is different. It's, it's not the same as this, but it's difficult, but this is what God's revealing to me, and I'm just going to trust. And my family's at home. He's got three beautiful kids. He's got a, a wife who grew up in the military, so she completely understands that he's here, he's gone, we're moving back up, we got to go tomorrow. Now I get that he volunteered for that. He enlisted. He signed up for that. But, I mean, aren't we, you know in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Right? I mean, I, I, I like to do chapel with the little kids and we sing those songs. I'm in right out, right up, right down, right happy all the time. Right? We have, we have fun with it. And that's one of the songs do. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. We're not volunteers. We're servants bound for life. That verse again, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify solemnly of the gospel of God's grace. It's not over, so be faithful. We have a ministry. We're not volunteers, we're servants. Nothing is over, so be faithful. Paul uses the term preaching the gospel of grace 
And then the following verse, he talks about preaching the kingdom. That was his mindset. That's what he wanted to do. That's what he wanted to be known for. That was the legacy that he built. Even as going as far as saying, look, uh, you know, I'm going to be gone. You're not going to see me. This is the, the Timmy paraphrase of 25 through 27. I'm leaving. You're not going to see me. I've done everything that I could have possibly done in teaching and in living so that no one can look at me and say, I have no idea what Christianity is. I have no idea who Jesus is. Paul's words are, I will not have innocent blood on my hands. My, my testimony will proceed. It will, they will know. When they, they say, this is Paul. This is, this is a card-carrying member of the kingdom. This guy, this guy is a, a, a ministry-focused guy. He has a genuine love for Christ. He has a genuine love for people. He wants to minister. He's a preacher. He's a teacher. Like, there's going to be no doubt, no, no doubt, of what Paul stood for, who Paul was. I think if Paul were to read that article and go, evangelism is offensive, well, I don't think he would care much. Is it a task or a mindset? Here's my two stories. I thought these were great. Maybe some of you recognize these names. Some of you maybe not. Um, James Calvert. Does anybody recognize that name? Maybe not. And another gentleman named John G. Patton. 19th century missionary. So 1800s, right? Did I do that right? Yes. I've been trying. been practicing. I play Jeopardy at night. Watch it. Say 20th century history. I'm like, that's the 1900s. I should be all right here. So I got to keep reminding myself. So here's these two missionaries, right? James Calvert, John G. Patton, both missionaries. One's British, one's Scottish, one's Methodist, one's not so much. It's all right. It doesn't matter. Guess where they were called to? Anybody? Fiji, which sounds really awesome, right? Like Fiji? I'm down for that. Fiji in the 1800s was filled with cannibals. Serious cannibals. Also, I don't know what it is about these two guys, but both of these men were called to minister to cannibals. That's pretty wild. Like, we're talking about like the 1800s. There's no Google. There's not like a textbook where you open it up and go, okay, they eat people. Like, this is based off of people going, hey, I'm going to go minister to these people. And for James Calvert, there had been uh, missionaries that had gone on before that they didn't make it home. And the same thing for John Patton. Both of these guys, both had this calling, this, this mindset that God is calling me to minister, to spread the gospel to cannibals. And for both of these guys, here's what's pretty cool about it. Both of them had people that were desperately trying to talk them out of it. James, think of your family. John, one of the cool lines that I read in the, the, the notes for this, for, for John Patton, is uh, one of the guys in his church said, aren't there enough heathens here for us to minister to? He said, listen, pick your salary. Pick a new house. We'll cover everything. Don't go. Where are you going to go? When they arrived for James Calvert, I'm, they didn't minister together. They were two separate locations. When they arrived to the Fiji Islands, the captain of the ship looked at James Calvert and said, if you leave this boat, you will lose your life and the lives of those with you if you go among such savages. His, his response was, we died before we came. 
We died before we came here. Patton, the Scottish missionary, similar issues again. One of his church members said, the cannibals, you will be eaten by the cannibals, John. Here was his response. Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now. That's kind of funny. You're old. That's what he's told, right? You are advanced in years now, and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave, there to be eaten by worms. Listen, this is cool. He says, I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or by worms. In the great day, my resurrection body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. He said, I don't, it, cannibals or worms, it doesn't matter. Now, I'm not saying we're called to cannibal islands to minister to people. But I am saying I do believe we are called to that mindset. Regardless if it's here, if it's in Middletown, if someone here is being called to another location, if you find yourself moving, whatever it is, I do believe we are called to that mindset. We were dead before we got here. My life was turned over to Christ. I'm following him. This isn't about the here and now. This is about eternity. If, if I'm worm food or cannibal food, it doesn't matter. I will serve. I just thought that was kind of cool. We died before we came. And Patton later goes on, and this is where we close. We talk about being faithful and how ministry doesn't end. Patton continues when both of these guys get to the point where they can't keep making this trip back and forth, and, and they're back home in their, in their home countries. Do you know what they did for the rest of their life? They didn't retire. They continued to raise support. They continued to teach. They continued to facilitate missionary trips for other people to pick up the work and run with it. This is a a generational message. I know that there are people within our building, whether they're here or they're at home, they don't have the physical energy to keep up with teenagers on an overnight. I get it. I'm going to be 40 this year. And every time we do an overnight, my wife goes, are you sure? And I'm always like, yeah. And then for three days, I'm like, that was the worst idea ever. (laughs) What was I thinking? I know. <laughs> it's a generational thing. Neither are retired. They continued on. That's, that's the level of faithfulness that I think we're being called to. Not a, I'm here on Sunday, or I'm here on Wednesday, or I, I come in and go, and I, I do my one little thing here. It, it's we're all called to keep figuring out what are the needs that we have to meet. It's this, this idea, I'm telling you, this is what I thought. I, you know, this wasn't in the, in, the, in the commentary or this wasn't in, in the, the, the books about either of these men. I just, I thought this was a cool thing. Because what I, what I took away from these is as they continued in, in their life, yeah, they weren't on the mission field per se. They were at home. They were raising support. I'm going to assume that they were praying. They were continuing to teach. I think, and this is, this is kind of goes back to this thing of, their mindset helped them complete their task. One of the cool things about Patton's story, he said, you know what? If I had to do it all again, and I had to get eaten by cannibals, I would do it. I would be willing to be eaten by cannibals to see more cannibals come to Jesus. That's like, man, that's challenging to me. 
Because I, I, I have to kind of stop and think, like, is this, is this all that is for me? Is, is to hang out with teenagers and, and, and work with children and, 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 and handle and hang out with, with, with the college age kids that come back and, and help in youth group and do this? And is this all there is? And God says, no, that, that's, that's kind of where you're at right now. But the mindset is you're ministering to their families. You're ministering to their friends. You're ministering to the people that they come into contact with. And hopefully there's like this legacy kind of building of, of who I've talked with and taught and had an impact in their life, and it goes on and on and on. And I have said this before, I can't tell you who led Billy Graham to Christ. I don't know. I don't know who led Billy Sunday to Christ. D.L. Moody. I don't know. I don't know who led Ben to Christ. Ben is now studying to be a pastor. I love it. August 8th. Mark it down. He's going to speak. And we, but, you know, we don't know what that's going to look like 10 years from now. Man, if, if Ben is in ministry for the next 40 years, 50 years, he's like, I don't know, man. I'd be really, listen, it's possible. Right? What comes next? Ben's on, ben was on the backstretch, man. He was done. He's ready to retire. He's on the 18th hole, getting ready to putt, off into the sunset. And God says, I got an idea. <laughs> and I'm excited. That he's going to tell you all about that. But here's what I think. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to take some liberties here. I think Ben has had a shift from task to mindset. And I think what happens is when you have that shift, the way you look at people changes. The way you look at the church Proper changes, the way you look at ministry changes, the way you look at worship changes, the way you look at stewardship changes, the way you look at how you, you parent, how you interact with your spouse, the way you work with coworkers or, or enemies or friends, whoever it is, when your mindset is changed from ministry is a task, it's just something we do, to ministry is something we are. Something that is, is a part of us that we're called to do. We're called to this lifestyle of worship. And a part of that is having this lifestyle that is, is geared and oriented towards ministry. That I'm going to be a card-carrying member of the kingdom. I don't know, maybe we can make like cards. We have business cards. Maybe that works, right? Business cards. But what would that look like for you? Ministry is, is your calling it's not the same as mine. But your gifting means that you're equipped for something. You're called to something. Again, whether it's in this building, whether it's in Middletown, whether we figure out how to pick this building up and plop it down somewhere else, or whether you're picked up and plopped down somewhere else, that's not going to change. Is it a task? Is it your mindset? That's really all I have this morning. So let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have uh, given us uh, special giftings and tools, and you have equipped us to serve in ministry. God, that, that your word is very clear that we all have a job. We have something specific that we're, we're created for, something we can do, something that we've been gifted in, and some of us are using it, and maybe some of us aren't. I'm thankful for this reminder, not just from Paul, but some of these other missionaries, that ministry doesn't just stop. It's not something we age out of. It's not something we just, we just we give up. It's once we put our hands to it, God, you've called us into this lifelong 
ministry. And that is to advance the kingdom. Maybe it's here, maybe it's elsewhere, but God, help us to remember that. Help us to change our mindset. Help us to uh, just want what it is that you have for us. Father, we ask these things in your name. Amen.